Welcome to episode one in our breastfeeding podcast series with Amberly Harris. In this episode, we cover breastfeeding basics 101, all the things you'll learn in your antenatal breastfeeding classes, but instead it's in your ears. Enjoy. Hey mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. Welcome to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. This podcast has been such a long time in the making, so I'm equal parts excited and also relieved to finally birth this into the world, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed creating it. We are kicking it off with our incredible five-part breastfeeding podcast series. This series will be released over the next month in an easy to digest way so that you can soak up these nuggets of wisdom with our guest experts without a huge time commitment. My aim is to keep these podcasts under 20 minutes because (laughs) if you're anything like me, it is hard to find the time nor to mention the brain power for anything much longer. But if you like what you hear today and you want all of this information ASAP, we have released the entire series up inside my online membership program, The Pregnancy Posse. Pregnancy Posse members can access this entire breastfeeding series, including all five episodes, plus a bonus episode inside the membership right now. This bonus episode will also include video demonstrations of correct baby latch and hand expressing technique. So if you'd like to access this entire breastfeeding series and learn more about how the Pregnancy Posse can help you on your pregnancy journey, you can trial it for seven days. Just head to thepregnancyposse.com to find out more. Now, I know that breastfeeding can be a very challenging and completely new world for many pregnant women. And I truly do believe that knowledge is power. So I've invited the wonderful Amberly Harris onto the podcast to share her incredible wisdom when it comes to all things breastfeeding. Amberly Harris is a Melbourne-based endorsed midwife in private practice with her own breastfeeding consultancy business. She has over 12 years experience working as a midwife in both the public and private hospital setting and is a proud co-producer of Two Small Humans. I wanted to invite Amberly onto the podcast, not only because of her wealth of knowledge and expertise, but also because of her passion for improving global breastfeeding statistics and her friendly and sensible approach to this topic. Amberly has online resources, an incredibly informative Instagram page, face-to-face and digital appointment packages, and so much more, which you can learn about at maternal-instincts.com.au or by giving her a follow on Instagram at maternalinstinctsbyamberly. Now, to kick off this first episode, we are discussing Breastfeeding 101, the foundational knowledge that you'll need to navigate this breastfeeding journey well. Amberly talks us through the five things that you need to know to encourage a strong and confident breastfeeding relationship. We talk about the supply and demand concept when it comes to lactation and milk making, the importance of the breast, not just as a food source, but also for comfort and connection and the importance of baby led attachment. Amberly will also provide us with a video demonstration of baby led attachment and what to look for with the mouth and the nipple position in a bonus video episode, which is now live inside the Pregnancy Posse membership. In later episodes in this podcast series, we will be covering the breast crawl, breastfeeding after a C-section, mastitis, nipple damage, milk supply issues, antenatal expressing, 
pumping and Ambly's favorite pump recommendations, and we'll be busting through a whole bunch of breastfeeding myths. And trust me, there are some very funny ones in there. So please make sure that you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss any of these wonderful episodes from our breastfeeding series. There is so much amazing content coming up, but let's kick it off today with the foundational knowledge that we need to get started on the right foot for our breastfeeding journey. Right, let's jump into my wonderful chat with Amberly. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Amberly. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, as I just mentioned to you before, um, I, I just want to let everyone know how much I love you. I think <laughs> you are like my go-to breastfeeding guru on the Instagram and on the Instagram. I sound like an old woman on the gram. <laughs> I just think you're such a wealth of knowledge and what I love about you is that you are just super friendly and you kind of hold this space for women just to be like this is my problem I know you're not going to judge me you're just going to help me through it um, and you just you're just there to help women you can tell that you're so passionate about breastfeeding you've got some incredible projects on the go and I just think that you're the perfect person to teach all these wonderful ladies about everything to do with breastfeeding so thank you for coming on <laughs> Yay! What a great introduction. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I, yeah, I love your work and I think our, um, our, our work really aligns and, and it's sort of a continuation of your work and then my work starts and it's so great that we can be there to so support mothers on that mothering continuum. 100%. Yes, we are on the same page with that. <laughs> So let's start with breastfeeding 101. So I think um, I used to think it was assumed that women knew what they were doing and I, I've really come to realize now that there's a real gap in knowledge and I think it's not necessarily something that we should assume that women know when they are pregnant, especially when it's their first baby. So let's start with breastfeeding 101, the basics of breastfeeding. Now, what do you think is the most important things that women should know to set themselves up for a successful and confident breastfeeding relationship? Hi ladies, I just wanted to jump in quickly before we kick off the next segment of the podcast as I think some of what Amberly is about to say um, may be taken out of context. So I just want to clarify any of this before you listen to it. So Amberly is soon about to explain five things you can do to help set yourself up for a good start to breastfeeding. Now this list includes things like going to spontaneous labor, minimal birth interventions, not using dummies, bottles, etc. Now I completely 110% understand that these points may be very triggering to some women and may cause women to feel shame or to be scared about their chances of breastfeeding but please 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 know that this is absolutely not the intention behind what Amberly is saying so Amberly is not at all preaching that there is only one way to successfully breastfeed and that if you don't tick these boxes then you won't have a good shot at breastfeeding not at all it is also not intended to bring shame to those women who didn't have this experience. So please, please, please just keep this in mind when listening to the next little bit. This entire podcast is intended to help inform, educate and empower women. Amberly and I both acknowledge that each and every woman has such a unique and individual motherhood story and we want to be here to celebrate it all. We are not here to say that one way is better than another. And we do also talk in later episodes about breastfeeding after a C-section and the things that you can do to make sure that you're setting yourself up for a really great breastfeeding journey regardless of how your birth goes and I've personally had two c-sections I've used dummies with both my children and I have breastfed for a very long and enjoyable amount of time so please just keep this in mind um, if anything that Amberly's about to say may feel 
uncomfortable or triggering, like I said, I completely understand and I'm sorry if it was taken out of context or if it um, it feels hard to listen to, but I promise you that is not the intention behind it. Um, so again, please just keep this in mind. I hope you enjoy the podcast. There is so much value and information coming up in the next five, five episodes and I cannot wait for you to listen to it. Perfect. So I've got five tips that I usually talk mothers through if they're sort of just wanting to start from the start and be like, what are the main things I could do? So I think maybe I'll cover those because that's probably a good place to start. Um, so the first one is that um, if you can aim for a normal physiological labor, a labor where, um, you know, ideally there's no medical interventions that, you know, are unnecessary. So if you can, um, that would be like the first part of it. Um, number two is sort of similarly aligned with that first point um, is hoping to go into spontaneous labor. So um, really let your baby be, baby be the driver of when labor happens. Let them you know, be the one responsible for that trigger of labor because then we know your baby is going to be ready for that transition into the world and, um, and they're going to be more likely to be really interested and motivated to breastfeed when they're first born. Um, number three is do the breast crawl. So learn about the breast crawl, which is this amazing sequence that all babies are very capable of doing. Um, some mothers don't know about it. So, you know, learn about it, do some research, look into some resources where you can actually see what it looks like and what it's going to, yeah, basically involve so that you can let your baby do it organically. And we will be chatting about that a little bit later on. We'll go into a bit more detail because I think that is something that you're an expert in. You explain very well and I think it's something that most women have never, ever heard of. Yeah. So that will be yeah. great to dive into. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I love the breast crawl. I think it's one of the like, things that I love talking about the most because it's so important and it's so commonly overlooked in the maternity setting. So, yeah. Um, number four is, if you can, avoid um, dummies, bottles and formula um, just because of the way these can negatively impact your breastfeeding relationship. Uh, and number five is seek support. The, you know, really important to be able to, there's so many different breastfeeding experts around and we're not going to gel with everyone. So find someone that you really like that, um, yeah, you know, you trust and you connect with and you think, perfect, I'm going to um, you know, work with you as a way to sort of have that professional support and help me achieve my breastfeeding goals. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because I think if you say try someone and you don't gel with them and you don't like their ethos, um, you might think that all help is is lost then and that you have to go it alone. Whereas there's so many wonderful practitioners out there. And, and would you advise someone to see a lactation consultant specifically, or is there a range of women, um, a range of, sorry, professionals for them to, to yeah with? for sure that's a really good question so um, I am a midwife in private practice and I'm I'm what's called an endorsed midwife so I've done some extra studies so that I can prescribe medications I can order diagnostics like pathology or ultrasound um, and I can give Medicare rebates to all my clients so my work is in a midwife scope of practice primarily in the first six weeks um, and so really as midwives we work more on um, the fundamentals of breastfeeding on positioning and attachment and sort of teaching mothers that from the start. Lactation consultants are a, a different skill set. They are amazing and I um, collaborate with a few if I need to um, and their scope of practice is very similar to us but they also work a lot on 
the problem solving on when things are sort of going not the way you planned on sort of how to get things back on track. Um, so I think it's important to kind of have access to both, to be able to work with midwives at the start. Um, and there's certainly, uh, you know, in my private practice, I've, I think I've had any actually examples where I haven't been able to help mothers and I've had to refer to a lactation consultant, but nonetheless, I work with them. Like we definitely collaborate if there's any things that, you know, I need help with. So yeah. I think it's good to um, work with your midwives, like whether you've like built a rapport with your midwife in pregnancy, when you first have your baby um, and your midwife is sort of your gateway to further help if you need something as well, which is really cool. And I like that ethos as well about you're almost there to try and prevent issues if possible. So by educating women and giving them the knowledge they need, um, hopefully, and it's not always guaranteed, but hopefully it means that you don't actually need to then problem solve because you've set yourself up for success. And I sort of have the same motto when it comes to physiotherapy. So prevention is is a lot better than the cure. So if you can actually stop these problems from happening potentially in the first place by arming yourself with knowledge and confidence, um, it can make for a much smoother journey. And again, that's not to say that no one will get problems because breastfeeding can be very tricky for some women. But um, I think, yeah, knowledge is power. And I think you're very good at, at helping women to understand the breastfeeding journey. So let's dive into, because I remember this really confused me when I had my first son, supply demand so let's talk about the actual physiology of like breastfeeding and lactation and milk coming in and actually let's start at milk coming in so let's talk about when milk comes in roughly when to expect that and the changes you might feel mentally physically in your body when that happens yeah perfect what I might do is start further back than the milk coming in and maybe talk about this. So lactation is a process called lactogenesis and there's sort of three key stages that are involved in this. So the first stage happens in pregnancy, which is when we expect that under the influence of pregnancy hormone, our boobs change. They get bigger. The nipple and areola gets darker to help our baby be able to see. And, um, and so we do expect that, you know, yeah, your boobs alter in pregnancy. So that's the first stage. So if your boobs change in pregnancy, it's a good thing, okay? And then the second stage happens when our, yeah, basically our milk comes in. And so that's sort of on day three to five, it's different for every mother. Some mothers, it's this really obvious event that they kind of wake up in the morning and they feel like they've had breast implants and their boobs are ginormous. And then oh, yes. there's... <laughs> I remember you, you, that. You were one of those. Um, and then there's mothers who um, their boobs take several days to fill. So they don't have this really obvious thing happen. But over, you know, many days, everyone's different, but they slowly notice their milk come in. So there's no right or wrong. That's just the way milk comes in for, for every mother is different. So that's the second stage that we, we expect to at least notice our milk has come in and then the third stage of lactation happens it's not something we notice so much ourselves but it's when our babies are about two weeks of age and what happens is our, our breasts basically shift from making what's called transition milk to mature milk and we know that's working because our babies around that st stage get back to their birth weight and then they go on and continue to gain weight and thrive so then we know those three key stages of lactation are working Okay, that's really I, – I, that's the first time I ever learned that. There you oh, go. That's really, really interesting. 
Um, and apart, so when it comes to supply and demand, because I know I yes. get a lot of questions coming through on pumping and I know a lot of women were confused about this. Can you just discuss for anyone who hasn't heard about that and how that supply demand system works? Can you explain that to us, please? Yes, for sure. So yeah, with supply and demand, the idea is that our babies are the ones that go to the breast, they remove the colostrum and then the milk as well when the milk comes in. And then what that does is it sends signals to our breasts to say, I need to make more. So it basically, um, it, the, all the hormones for lactation are in our pituitary gland, which is at the base of the skull. Um, and so um, oxytocin and prolactin are the really important ones. And it basically triggers the milk making cells in our breast to say, this milk has been removed, so I need to therefore make more. And that's basically how supply and demand works. So that's a big part of the driver of our supply. So even though we have the boobs, our babies are responsible for the supply. They are the drivers of the supply, which is why the best thing we can do is follow our baby's lead and just breastfeed on demand. Whenever your I even say breastfeeding more than just demand, like whenever your baby sort of squirms or wiggles or makes a sound in those early days, if you can just frequently breastfeed, it, it does nothing but good things. It, it yeah. helps you bring in a really abundant milk supply and breastfeeding pretty much solves like 99% of your baby's problems. So it's just like the best thing ever. <laughs> I used to joke that my parenting style was parent by boob yeah. and that... <laughs> If um if that didn't work, I had nothing else <laughs> yeah, up my sleeve. Yeah, my repertoire is like that. That's I'm it. Done. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> and we are going to touch on quite a number of breastfeeding myths later because I've come to realise after asking my audience, there's a lot out there, a lot of misinformation. But um, just coming back to what you said about you can't um do any wrong. To confirm, you cannot overfeed your mm. newborn, can you? Such a good question. No, you can't overfeed a breastfed baby. Like you just don't need to be worried about that. Certainly down the track, weeks down the track, if you think my baby's troubled with wind and I have an oversupply, like there might be other things to unpack. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe the position that you're feeding your baby and you need to be a bit more upright if you have a quick letdown. So I guess I'm basically explaining with that that there's other things that might be involved, not that you're overfeeding your baby because yes. breastfed babies, they work very hard to remove the milk from the breast. And if they are not that hungry or motivated to keep feeding, they will just come off. Yes. By comparison with a bottle, you can overfeed, you can overstretch a baby's tummy because the milk travels much quicker down through the teat. Um, they can drink a huge amount in a very short space of time and they will either keep it in and have really bad belly pains or they mm -hmm. might just bring it all back up. Mm -hmm. um, so that definitely is a different story to breastfeeding. And that's probably a good segue into cluster feeding, which a lot of women also ask me about. What, what can you expect with cluster feedings? You're obviously saying supply and demand in those early days, the baby will dictate how much um, they want to take in. Does a cluster fed baby mean they're hungry, that you're not getting enough milk? Like what's the, the down low on cluster feeding? So cluster feeding is very normal newborn behaviour and typically babies cluster feed young babies uh, in the afternoon and the evening. And it, there's a couple of reasons why. Um, the first reason is that they're usually overtired, they're overstimulated and it's just that time in the day where they just there's a lot going on and breastfeeding is a way to sort of really calm their central nervous system. So um, it's a lot about comfort at that time of the day. It's not always about milk supply. 
However, there's the other side of it too, is that as mothers, we make most of our milk at night when we sleep. And when we wake in the morning, we have the most amount of milk available in the 24 hour period. So as the day wears on, we have less milk available. And in the evenings, that's when our boobs typically are softer. There's not as much supply. We still have milk there, but it's not as abundant. And so that's another reason our babies can be a bit fussy uh, and it definitely makes us question our milk supply. But I think what's important is to look at over the 24 hour period. Um, if you're only thinking, oh, my boobs feel quite soft in the evening, you can at least say to yourself, well, they're supposed to, like that's really normal. Um, and my baby's cluster feeding probably because, yeah, they, they want me to make more milk. They're actually trying to send more signals to my boobs to say, can we up the supply at this time of the day? Um, but also maybe it's nothing to do with supply. Maybe it's just some stuff that they've got going on that they're just wanting you to help them and you to provide some comfort and closeness and connection. I think that's a really good point because I know a lot of women do question their supply because they think that baby's hungry because there's obviously not enough milk and then they start to lose their confidence and they start to feel like they're not doing a very good job. But I guess if we stop thinking about breasts as just food yeah. and remember that they are for comfort, that's probably a really good point that they're, they're, there's two reasons and comfort is a huge part of the fourth trimester and them wanting to just feel safe and secure and it's not necessarily a reflection on yeah, your, your milk supply. And I know a lot of women really struggle over this and I'm sure you see it in your consults all the time, but feeling like they just don't have a good enough supply. And then that's probably confounded because then when you pump and you all of a sudden see a number next to your supply, which I don't think is necessarily indicative of no. what... Um, because if I, if I went by what I pump, I would think I had terrible milk supply, but my kids are all on the 95th percentile for weight <laughs> and like they get so much great milk. But when I pump, I just don't get very much out. And I, I'm glad I have the confidence and knowledge to yeah. know that that's not indicative of my milk supply because otherwise I can see how straight away you would question, oh God, I'm not giving, if I'm only getting 80 mils when I pump, obviously my baby's not getting enough. So I think that's really good um, to know and to remember for new mums that it's not just hunger, it is comfort as well. And if your baby's ticking all the boxes, they're happy, they're well, they've got wet nappies, all of that, then they're obviously getting what they need. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So many good points in there, Laura. <laughs> Mm, I just yeah. I just remember when I had Mussy and I just remember thinking, fortunately, my mum is a midwife and maternal and child health nurse. So Yay. I just had like the jackpot when it came yeah. to <laughs> support. But I just I just know that it was a bit of a minefield. And I remember thinking, I don't know what's normal and what's not normal. And yeah, it's a minefield. But let's talk about latch, Emily, because I know that's another big thing. I had never learned about this and it's not until I midwife showed me this in the hospital that I went, oh, that's so interesting. And we're just going to talk about now, we are going to do an actual practical demo later with your fake boob and all of that. Sure. But can you just talk us through, again, like, let's just think basics, the 101 of what a new mum needs to know when it comes to baby latch. Mm, okay. So there's a couple of different schools of thought with this. What I tend to teach my clients from the beginning is something called baby led attachment, which is when your baby um, basically does the breast crawl. The breast crawl is reproducible for many months, roughly the fourth trimester. So if you put your baby in the center of your chest and let them do the breast crawl, and then I always like to see how a, uh, each baby goes, whether they are able to self-attach. Because mm -hmm. um, a baby-led attachment is a baby using their instincts. It's basically using that genetic blueprint for breastfeeding that they've been born with. And so we want to see, because we know that if a 
baby has the chance to do that, they're going to be more likely to have a big wide open mouth, to be really alert, to get on properly. So to not be nipple feeding, but be breastfeeding. And so they're going to be less likely to damage mum's nipple. They're going to be more likely to drain the breast effectively. There's so many benefits to a baby led attachment if they can get on properly. Now, if a baby can't get on properly, which is when I'm always there to support mum, so um, maybe they can't get on properly because um, they've got a little mouth or the, um, you know, maybe it's a mum thing, maybe um, just the shape of a mother's breast or um, the length of her nipple is uh, making it a bit tricky for a baby to get on properly. Maybe the baby's got jaundice and is really sleepy or has lost a bit more weight than normal and, you know, they're, yeah, they're not so motivated to breastfeed. So there's plenty of reasons why if that doesn't work out, I will teach mothers the cross cradle hold, which is where they hold their baby and shape their breasts and help their baby get on properly. But basically there's not sort of like a just do this, everyone does this. Yes. Um, I always like to, t to talk about baby led attachment first and if they can't get on properly, then I go in and, and help with other ways. And that's why I love you because you're so sensible because I think some women can prescribe a black and white approach where it's, the breast call and the baby led um, attachment yep. and that's it. And so you feel like a failure if that hasn't worked for yeah. you. But you're saying that's plan A and if that doesn't work, there's there's a plan B and yeah. that's a really great option too. So I think that's yeah. really good to know. Ah. <sighs> Wasn't that just a super practical and easy way to understand the basics of breastfeeding? Speaking for myself, I felt totally clueless when I was pregnant with my first because I hadn't seen a lot of friends or family members breastfeeding. I hadn't seen a baby latch with my own eyes. I hadn't heard many stories about breastfeeding. And I just think that Amberly explains breastfeeding and lactation in such an easy to understand way. So I hope you also learned something from this episode. Please do subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you do like what you heard and you want to devour the next four episodes straight away, this entire breastfeeding series is now up inside the Pregnancy Posse program for all members to enjoy. You can trial the Posse for seven days and find out more by visiting thepregnancyposse.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I cannot wait to share episode two with you soon where we'll be discussing the magical breast crawl. We chat about why it is so important to help establish a good breastfeeding relationship and what you can realistically expect to happen with the breast crawl. It has inspired me personally to try the breast crawl with my next baby. So thanks again, ladies, and have a wonderful day.